You're going to want to put on your tinfoil hat for this one. It's Mikey J on KGUP Presents. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Mothers, lock up your daughters. It's time to see Mikey J. Mikey J. Are you fucking with me? We're dealing with one sick son of a bitch. How you doing? I'm Mikey J, and you're tuned into another edition of KGP Presents. This is episode 56. And if you haven't already done so, please give us a five star review and leave a comment. And if you're watching on YouTube or Rockfin, please hit that like button or follow or subscribe. And if you want early access to content, please, uh, or you want a chance to win a free t shirt, please join my Patreon. You can join for as little as $3 a month. And so today we have a very special guest. If you haven't noticed, I've been posting things that are a little different from what I normally post these days. And today's no exception uh, to sort of preface today's episode. Uh, last year, at the beginning of this year, I joined Telegram and, and I belong to a number of groups where, uh, which is why you don't see me much on traditional social media like Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, because they really don't like to honor the First Amendment. So, and I think because, because they're a private corporation, they can just operate outside of the Bill of Rights and ban whatever speech they don't agree with. And uh, several of those groups I belong to on Telegram are run by Clairvo, who I refer to as Travis. He's an activist and a local community organizer. He, you know, gets into uh, a lot of um, a lot of cool stuff. Um, he actually reached out to me one day on the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon and Zodiac app, and he was asking me to join his group called the DFW True Earthers on telegram and i've been a member ever since and you know we host monthly meetups and gathered to do you know scientific experiments and just converse because you know today we're in an age where 
we're just surrounded by people we can't be open with and just, you know, because topics or conversations or certain things might trigger their emotions. So we just, you know, kind of keep to ourselves, but it's good to have these kind of groups that way we can be honest and open and just have, you know, well-rounded conversations and keep our sanity, if you will. So let's bring them on the man of the hour, the one, the only Travis or Clairvo of DFW true earthers. Uh, what's going on, my guy? Doing well. I am enjoying a nice chill day. This is probably my fourth day in a row sitting on my butt uh, in my chair. I'm getting the last little bit of studying uh, and stuff done for school. I've had to be cra- I've had to cram in like three chapters. I'm behind in one class. It's uh, QuickBooks. So uh, doing accounting now. I never thought I'd enjoy accounting, but for some reason I do. Um, so that's my professional life at the moment is accounting and roadside assistance dispatch. Uh, everything else is a lot more interesting, I think. Uh, yeah. And I'd love to get into some awesome conversation about all that. Yeah. So back in, you know, like I, in my intro, I said that, you know, we had met for the first time at a flat earth meetup and then we had a private meetup with you and Clover in March. I think it was March. And then we had another uh, meetup in May, which we did that curvature test. And then, um, I met you at the tiny homes facility here in Dallas where you, you build tiny homes. Um, I guess we can start with that. Do, do you still work for that company or? So, yeah, I, I worked for them for about nine months. Um, I stopped just because I got stuff at home. I'm taking care of, I'm taking, I take care of my grandmother. Um, I have a household basically manage as best as I can. Um, yeah. But yeah, with the, there were a few different factors that led me to, to leaving that. Uh, it was it's called indigo river tiny homes um they're they they make beautiful beautiful homes Mm -hmm. um and they're very good people so a family-owned business um and if you're interested in purchasing a tiny home especially if you live in texas look at them they're one of the last uh builders like hand builders of tiny homes that are still left in the in the nation um for me personally uh i've consider myself pretty uh, chemically sensitive so after a while of working there um, I kept noticing a lot of health detriments with uh, with the materials I was working with I loved the craftsmanship the craftsmanship and the the actual like physical exertion that the work brings Mm -hmm. but breathing in you know toxic uh, like glues and all that kind of stuff it's just the stuff that houses are made of nowadays, you know, we can't even avoid it. You know, the only ways that we can is if you make your house like basically out of dirt. Um, Yeah. So that's basically why I don't work there anymore between my grandmother and uh, breathing in sawdust every day. I was like, all right, I'm going to back off. And I ended up um, shifting gears again into school, which I did not think I would ever go to school again, but I had a few conversations that shifted my perspective on that. Yeah. You know, homes are just not built how they used to, you know, like in the old days, you know, I mean, everything just like torn down, but you know, they have to use all these chemicals to treat the wood and like preserve it. And then then most of the wood today is just all particle press, press wood. And it's just full of chemicals. And it's like, you know, where, where, I mean, if you want to stay natural, I mean, where do you go, you know, and it's, it's, it's hard to find an alternative without building something yourself or, you know, and it's very expensive to build something out of brick. 
Right. I agreed. And I will say that there is one alternative that I do know about uh, that's up and coming in central Texas. Um, There's a company called, uh, I think, Haven Earth PMA. It's a private member association. And there are two uh, people. I met them at Float Fest, actually, uh, uh, F-L-O-T-E. And it's uh, Amani uh, and River uh, Richardson, I believe. And they are they they have a building facility in Central Texas that works with hempcrete uh, huh. very efficiently and effectively too, to where they can build a full size home uh, com- comparably to you know you know economically comparable to a regular full size home that's built with traditional or conventional materials. Hmm. Um, the whole process is totally different. But if you're looking into something, if you have the money to to put towards building a house. Hempcrete mm-hmm. is definitely a, a path to go down. Yeah. My, my wife and I, we're on this like three-year plan. We plan on getting out of the city and just buying some land. And that way we can, you know, actually homestead and, you know, have a garden and have some chickens, you know, because we, we don't, we don't want to be a part of this whole like group think, you know, because anytime you're in a metropolis, it's just, you know, you're dealing with, people who just watch television and believe everything that the you know the government says and the news says and it's like you know if it's on television it's it's not real and everything is on television it's all programming and we just want to get away from all that that group think and it's very difficult especially you know i i'm a you know i'm in the education system and so it's i'm in this like very tough situation it's a conundrum of like well what do i do (laughs) right so i can't imagine like the the stringent nature of your job what are you even allowed to talk to the kids about aside uh, from the textbook it's it's very strict curriculum i mean they they kind of dictate what we can and can't teach and it seems like every year it's being changed uh it's like oh you have to do this you have to have you know study for this test and it's all exam based. Mm-hmm. So whatever exams they are, are scheduled for that year, that's basically what you need to teach. And these days it's all writing, like every single class that we have, they have to write some sort of like extended essay or an IA or an IB uh, type of, um, you know, pr- uh, essay. And it's, it's all, it's all like writing based. And so they have to write between 25 to 4,000 words and, I don't think it's a fair assessment of the uh, kids' talents because not every kid can write. Right. So, uh, you know, a major percentage of these these students they get left behind because they they just don't have the aptitude to be able to write and speak the way that these professors and and that want you to to speak in a certain language. You know, because it's all university based. It's like, well, we have to do this in order to get in this university. Absolutely. So I, I feel like feel like they, they do it intentionally because the, the universities are so overpopulated and they have to find a way of, of weeding people out. And so they make it so difficult uh, for the students to be able to just graduate and go to college because there's just too many people going into college. I mean, right. I mean, if you think about all the school districts in the state and then, you know, there there's... 150 to 250 graduates and then there's i don't know how many districts are in in texas alone but it's a lot 
and they're all going to universities and every state has that same number of, of students that are graduating if not more like it, it's insane how the the system is and how they're being geared and and you know making it impossible for people to graduate so that way there's like this whole group of students that just you know they're they they're forced into um this kind of like i i call slavery which is just working for a shop or uh, you know hard labor you know right i think there there's a fine line between that you know you ha- you really have to find your niche if you want to be a if you want to be a successful like craftsman or tradesperson uh you got to find that niche and like run towards it because it, just like any other uh job out there if you get stuck in like the the pawn rank then you're going to stay there unless mm-hmm. you make that effort but i want to say that uh with the education system dude you know especially having to like force out you know grind out two to four thousand words for an essay you know coming from being have gone through high school i know how stressful that is even as a high schooler and it shuts down so many of your critical thinking centers of your of your brain not just the like speed and time and the regurgitative nature of the material but also the stress the actual stress of like what if i don't do this right what if i don't get a good grade and it doesn't give you any time to think and then those who do go to college Mm -hmm. really continue with that line of thinking and that's something like especially i can't imagine taking five classes but just taking four classes 12 credit hours you don't even have time to think you just have time to read and do the do the work and that's it there's no critical thinking involved and honestly if there was i think that the universities would probably go out of business pretty quickly oh yeah yeah totally and the, the way that they do things, it's like, you know, you, they only accept very, um, you know, references to, you know, the site certain material. You can only cite material that is from another professor. Mm-hmm. They, they really frown and look, look down upon someone who gets their, their you know, uh, sites from uh, a .com. They want right. to see .org or like Google Scholar or peer-reviewed peer journals, even though yeah. that, the entire peer-reviewed system has been proven to be a fraudulent system. Yep, exactly. Know. But yet that is what we have to cite. And uh, <laughs> all the bibliographies, you know, and so it, it, it kind of creates this whole like, you know, small system that... Uh, and it just feeds their, their the monster that they they've created, and so these universities can get away with with uh, their their groupthink, and uh, <laughs> and so you know even if there is evidence of flat Earth, there isn't anybody who's gonna you know publish a peer reviewed study because it just gets rejected, right? And then it's taken off. Even if it is published, they, they immediately take it off, and. You know, and then that student is discredited for publishing something that that goes against mainstream education. Well, and that's the thing, like in, in the first place, the families who fund and run these education systems, they already know all this stuff. Yeah. So there honestly, there is in my mind no point in trying to push this like genuine, you know, information like, you know, like some ideas with flat earth 
you know, to, into that system other than anything like socially is the only way that I can see that being a benefit. And that's the only way that I'm going to push it is through just having conversations with people who are in that system who mm-hmm. might not otherwise have exposure to those ideas. Right. You know? And I'm going to be picky and choosy because I'm going, uh, I'm going to UTD. At least that's my plan. Uh, I was there for a semester, but that was uh, years ago. But I'm going back in uh, UTD, uh, University of Texas at Dallas, actually started as a private uh, in, um, research branch for TI, Texas Instruments, and have been instrumental in playing a role in space, you know, space exploration <laughs> and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. I went in there uh, a few months ago to, to do a pre-admission thing, and I went into the Saturn room. The entire every room in the um, in the main office is based around a planet. So it's going to be super weird going to like literally out of any school in the country, the spaciest school as far as a public university go goes there. Uh, their <laughs> their mascot, his name is Timok. Have you ever heard of that? No, he's an anthropomorphized comet. Oh, interesting and, and his name is Timok, which is comet backwards which is oh okay i get it <laughs> anyways it's gonna be fun I'm, I'm excited to keep you keep you guys updated on everything that's going on there uh one last thing i will say about that uh they have a fleet of 30 food delivery robots that go around autonomously on campus interesting so that's super creepy to me <laughs> Yeah, actually, I was just watching uh, this little Instagram video with my wife, and I was like, look at this shit. And it was just like this little robot where you pay $64 a month, and you have this like little robot that follows you around and then carries your things. It had like this like little bucket, you open the lid, and it has all your stuff, you know, your lunch, or if you want to put books in it. And it's got, it just travels around in two wheels, and it follows you around all day long. <laughs> well... <laughs> Oh, it's like our own little r2d2 whatever dude i'm good r2d don't yeah i'm good <laughs> um but yeah we can get a, we can definitely go into some uh transhumanistic um techno dystopian rabbit holes but we can also probably talk about some uh some more productive things than that <laughs> um so I, I guess i i can either go down my um my scientific understanding uh, if you want to go into the flat earth ideas now or we can save it for later i'll let you run that um however it kind of like i don't like to force the topic flat earth you know just some people just get really turned off by it or and then there's those who just love to hear about it you know i mean that's the mass majority of like my my uh watchers and listeners but i really don't know i mean i you know, not everybody uh, lets me know what what they think or what they want to hear about. So I just kind of like right. do what I do what I do, and if it comes up naturally in conversation, I just that's where it goes. You know, I, I don't well, like to force that conversation. I don't. I don't like to either. Honestly, I sometimes I do just for the giggles. Honestly, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I I do talk, like talking about my my story with it though, and. Uh, uh, I guess I guess I'll kind of I'll share my spiritual journey first about that. 
Yeah, um, definitely. So but I was an atheist for a really long time whenever I was a kid. And I think we, we talked about this as well. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I started my, um, my high school's philosophy club with my, uh, one of my best friends, basically to just have arguments about God. Yeah. Right. So that was, uh, that was an interesting time. Um, get, getting more into like the Eastern philosophy and Eastern traditions. I saw like a lot of people gaining benefit through meditation and that, that really sparked my eyes because I was, uh, even now I'm still super ADHD, especially sitting in a chair for 16 hours plus a day. It's, uh, (laughs) super detrimental to my health. I'm not going to lie, but you do what you got to do. But back in, when I was in high school, man, I would, you know, be bouncing off the walls. It was, it was crazy, you know, class jokester, but when I was 16, I discovered meditation. I was like, huh, this is interesting. And being a militant atheist, I started becoming a an atheistic Buddhist is how I said. Interesting. <laughs> I know, right? And uh, apparently it's a pretty big thing. I didn't um, didn't even realize it at the time. Um, but I started uh, praying on a mala. Uh, if you know what a mala is, it's uh, 108 beads um, on a necklace. And you know, there's a lot of astrological. Oh. Uh, they say um, that the distance, this is uh, something I purported all throughout my entire time using a mala and you know being in that realm they say that the distance from the sun to the earth is 108 times the dis uh, the circumference of the sun right and then they say the same thing about the moon that the circumference of the moon 108 times is the distance between the earth and the moon hmm. so this is this scientific you know knowledge that that is within um one degree or uh, one degree of variation uh, depending on the uh, alignment of the planets or whatnot um after a while though using a using a mala dude i uh i started to feel a lot more than i ever felt before um i was really closed off to everything and you know, going back into school, it doesn't, you know, it kind of reminds me of like, wow, there's so much to just dull your mind from reality to like, you know, there's so many words that you can read and each, each and every one of them takes you farther and farther away from your emotions and from, you know, real human experience. Um, so fighting through that's been a challenge, uh, especially back whenever I was a kid, man, I didn't know any of that. Um, so about three months into, into a mala practice, I was going through a really emotional time with, uh, with my parents, man. And, uh, I went upstairs and I was kind of just like crying and like feeling really angry. And I started praying instead of like punching something, uh, cause about a year before I actually broke my hand by punching my floor too hard. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was not, not good, but then I was, I was trying to find another way and I ended up doing that. Um, the, the mala practice and about, you know, just 30 seconds into the mala practice, I started feeling light emanating from the beads into my body clearing up my emotions clearing up my mind and making me feel better and i realized at that time you know i attached that experience to the uh idea that 
the prayer and the meditation and the intention that I was putting into the beads was retained inside of the beads, you know, at least with through my mind's attachment. And I was able to kind of take that as a, a reservoir of, of, you know, good feeling. Um, so kind of getting past the, the spiritual ideas, you know, towards more of the, um, like understanding reality for what it is rather than something that's hyper-materialistic, uh, is, that, that was the journey of a lifetime was something, you know, that's why I'm doing everything I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big things for me is, oh, you know, ha- making sure people can have good human interactions. I was saying that, uh, that we get distracted from so many things, whether it be, uh, you know, the work we get our, immersed in or obsessed with or emotions that we allow to get in between each other. Um, or the ideas of fucking flat earth versus, you know, a round earth, it, Mm -hmm. you know, all those things, they started to fall away more and more. Um, and it's one thing, like, I don't ever want to force anything, force any conversation on people that aren't ready for it. So, uh, the conversation that I'll fall back on a lot of the times is like, okay, well, we might disagree in that sense, but. I'm sure that somewhere in our stories, in our journeys, we had some similar experiences or some um, something to that we can draw from, that we can build on. And ever since I started adopting that mentality, my my life has changed. And that's why one of the reasons why I ever opened up my mind to any other cosmologies or any other ideas of the of the world is because I simply changed my mind about what it is to listen to other people yeah so i know i kind of went off in a few different deviations there but that's just a little <laughs> part of my uh the beginnings of my story and why i do the things i do today um getting away from uh any forced conversation so that's yeah. that's that was my flow yeah you know it's it's funny how some people just react so kind of violently with with the whole idea of flat earth you know it's just like democrats versus republicans i mean people just aren't they're so fixated on their political viewpoint that they're not willing to see the other side why they think the way that they they do and maybe one one thing is more correct than the other or just they just don't want to have an open mind about how we should meet in the middle they just want to stick to their their side and that is it and so and I don't like to force conversations about politics either because people, you know, they go through their entire lives having this, this polarized view of the, of the world. And so it's just not worth fighting over or having discord that isn't, uh, isn't healthy, you know, and, uh, you know, you talking about how you were, were kind of, kind of an atheist. I mean, I felt like I had gone through that as well. Because, I, you know, after my parents were divorced and, and they were excommunicated from the Jehovah's Witnesses, I mean, I didn't know where to look or where to go. And so I just started dabbling in everything, I mean, like every religion and deciding that, God, a lot of these religions were just full of crap. And then some were, were felt genuine or, or it just felt like a good community rather than it being like all 
you know, focused on the Bible. And, but I had, for a while, I was just like, I, I couldn't believe in anything because it just felt artificial and fake. And it was about, you know, who was going to raise money. Cause what I, I, one church or they were like, okay, well, here's, you can start attending church, but here's the, the deposit form where I had to like put in my, my uh, bank account information and they were going to deduct 10% of my income. And I was like, this doesn't feel right. You know, I should volunteer to, to pay into this, this congregation, not be forced to do it. And so it just, I, I never, never ended up going. And so, you know, it took me a long time to figure out what I believed in and what was true. And, and so I was just doing a lot of reading. I even, I even had a copy of like the satanic Bible for a minute, but then I got rid of it like almost immediately. Cause it's just, it just felt wrong. Cause it was, everything was, you know, upside down. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't until I, I joined the military that, that uh, I felt like my life was no longer in my own hands and it was in someone else's and I didn't want to ever experience shooting somebody. And so I, I found every way possible to get out as quickly as I could. And thankfully the, the base that I had worked for, they were on a, they were losing funding. And so they gave us an opportunity to either transfer or retire. And I was like, I'm gone. I'm out of here. Wow. You know? so, Got lucky on that one, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I was deployed twice, but didn't go because I was in the middle of a transfer or the second one was just called off. And so I'm very fortunate. I didn't have to get deployed anywhere. And uh, what time was that? Was that wasn't during like, um, like Afghanistan or anything like that, was it? Uh, we were in, we were in Afghanistan and Iraq. So, and, you know, I almost got sent to, Mogadishu, which would have been a horrible situation. And Damn, we've, dude. we've been fighting that part of uh, Africa for quite some time, but just, it's just not public knowledge. I mean, we, we had a scuffle with them not even a year ago and we're, um, we're probably going to go back to war with them at some point. Just why, uh, first off, Mogadishu is not something I've ever heard of. <laughs> so why are we at war with something somewhere I, uh, I've never even heard of? And no, I really don't know. I think it's just, I, I have no clue. I mean, it's, it's all, it really, because the, there's no real government there. Mm. And so they've just been, it, it's kind of like run like by, by the mafia, kind of. Sure. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, they're not distributing aid to the people who really need it. I mean, that's what I, that's what I know. I mean, if you ever ever seen the movie Black Hawk Down, I mean, that, mm -hmm. that was in... I think that was an incident that happened in 1993, I believe. And it's just been going on ever since. And <laughs> was that, was Black Hawk down in Mogadishu? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, I saw the movie when I was a little kid, but I, I don't remember any details of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so. pretty crazy. But thank goodness I, I didn't have to go into that. And, you know, my time in the military, I, I was soul searching and going to all these religious retreats every Sunday. I was like, you know, I don't feel like, I'm going to spend time searching for answers. And so well, that, they, they had like every religion's service at, yeah. at your base. Right. 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 Sweet. Well, so that that's was... how I was able to explore and just try. All right. This week I'm going to go to a Baptist church and this week I'm going to go to. <laughs> oh, so they had the, all the different like Christian denominations as well. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. All right. Yeah. 
yeah interesting very cool yeah, yeah for me like with my my religious um uh like i'm a melting pot a little bit my grandma's uh you know more baptist southern non-denominational kind of my mom's same way uh my dad's catholic devout catholic uh born again catholic not born again christian very interesting um my, my stepmom was a uh, methodist um uh-huh. both like pre so there are two sects of methodist church now there's the uh new world methodist church and then there's the traditional methodist church the new world methodist church is the church that didn't become gay uh so interesting yeah the new world church is actually the original methodist church that had to switch up their entire name to retain retain their traditional uh traditionalism the traditional methodist church is the one that kind of become became woke uh, uh, so i remember the church that she worked for uh she was the um she was a uh a business administrator there but they as soon as the churches separated they put up a sign their their new church sign was their church's name on a rainbow banner mm-hmm. I, it, I, sounds like the church that i went to because my friend he was a i guess he was a pastor there and uh you know he was he was he was gay and uh they always promoted that it was lgbt friendly so yeah and there's nothing wrong with it it's just like whenever it's so ingrained in the surf the service Mm-hmm. it's like where's the focus where's the focus are we focused on a social agenda right now or are we focused on learning about you know god and spirituality <laughs> yeah anyways um yeah my stepbrother you know he was a uh he was a christian buddhist too so he was able to give me some ideas in that regard but nobody in my family was an atheist so i was very much a black sheep whenever it came to that and um it lasted for probably eight years of my childhood until I was about 16 or 17. Um, (laughs) I'm glad that I'm not there anymore though. I'm definitely glad I'm not there. Same. Yeah. Um, I think back when, you know, I got into like all spirituality and like the tarot card reading and all that for, for a minute. Cause I lived in San Diego and we were close to, to quest Haven. So there was like a lot of spirituality over there. And, you know, there were so many gypsies that practiced, you know, this spiritualism and stuff. And so I got really into it for, for a little while, it's just, you know, high school, but <laughs> it felt like a long time ago, but you know, now I, I just feel more open-minded. I don't want to be a part of any den- denomination. I'm actually studying the, the Torah just kind of lazily, you know, I, I, <clears throat> I, think it's more about keeping your 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 body which is the temple as clean as possible eat clean food stay away from you know shellfish and and pork and things that'll just make you unhealthy you know and we're drinking less alcohol we're Mm -hmm. just being more close to nature and because that's the purest form of you know nutrient that you can have is eating less processed foods and you know we try to eat out less but you know it's just it's really hard to not eat out <laughs> yeah I you know, know you mean. We're, we're still part of the 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 system and so but i i think having just that knowledge has made my understanding of our you know creation and create the creator i'm more in tune and, and closer to to god if you if you if you will 
So how how is uh how has been your spiritual journey been like lately? Uh, lately, it's been frustrating because I'm staring at a damn screen for <laughs> 16 hours a day. Um, <laughs> luckily, I, I moved around my desk, so I um, I have a full open window here. I can look outside and just dream about what it would be uh, to go outside and play soccer, even though I obviously can just get up and go. Um, that focus is something that's difficult for me. Uh, I think where I'm at now is balancing um, my ability to focus doing something I don't necessarily want to do uh, and learn how to integrate things that I do want to do that would be healthy for me and would eventually help me with the focus. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to balance that for some reason has, has been difficult. So I'm like stuck and I stick myself in front of a screen for 16 hours, just like in school. And I expect myself to be productive. And I'm like, <laughs> like what the, I'm not going to lie. The longer I go, staring at a screen and sitting down the more retarded i become you know i'm not gonna lie like it's just been uh i start making weird noises i start like shaking my legs uncontrollably i'm like why is my leg shaking so damn much um yeah part part of it's probably coffee um <laughs> you know when I, clover will make me coffee and it'll uh i'll drink like two cups just r- super quickly because i don't have anything else to do and uh, then all of a sudden I can't breathe because I am uh, my, I'm having hypertension. Um, like, what the hell, where, where did I go wrong? Um, <laughs> as far as eating and stuff, you know, I, I feel like we eat pretty clean uh, for the most part. We do eat some processed foods, but at least they're like organic. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't eat. I, we've eaten strictly. Clover's eaten strictly organic for a long time. Um, I have been organic probably since about uh, March or April. Um, and we, we don't eat out at all. So the last, I've probably eaten out, eaten out, um, three times in the last four or five months. So, wow, that's really good. It's, it's, yeah. And it's helpful. Uh, but also there are definitely the days where you don't want to make food and then I'll just eat like three peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. (laughs) Like, uh, um, so wreck wreck havoc on your digestion. (laughs) yes uh gluten is not good for you in large amounts uh i learned recently that einkorn wheat is the only non-hybridized wheat that is basically left Mm. Uh, so if you're looking for uh, a wheat substitute or i say wheat substitute uh, a good strain of wheat to make bread or whatever out of einkorn would probably be the best i'm looking into that um i i do try to watch what i consume Mm-hmm. uh like farther than food so and this is something I, i'd like to talk about later i don't watch pornography anymore you know i try to watch any uh, uh monitor anything that i am intaking as far as content or visual imagery or even ideas go because if it's not um optimistic if it's not helpful if it's not you know pushing me to become more of myself and to retain and maintain and deepen my relationship with God or my relationship with other people, my friends and family, then why do I want it in my life? Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, that's really where I'm at now is just, um, I've, I'm at the point where I have the discipline to say no. Now I'm learning how to say yes to the things that are beneficial, that are good, that are uh, helpful. Um, 
you know, I'm really good with that whenever it comes to interacting with other people and having like good social inter- encounters and, um, and getting out with others. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem that I'm having with myself is that self-discipline of getting up every day on time, going and working out, you know, eating the right kind of food. Um, luckily I take supplements. So that helps, you know, that's a little bit of a discipline. Um, and I think out of everything currently, my, my, uh, most challenging spiritual, um, my, my spiritual challenge right now is keeping the litter boxes clean. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. That's probably it. (laughs) That's pretty small. (laughs) I'm good. That's a small problem. It seems like a small problem, but with, with five cats, small becomes uh, a large problem pretty quickly. Luckily they're all indoor outdoor. So it's not like, you know, every day kind of thing, but anyways, (laughs) Yeah, you, you mentioned pornography, and I, I think, you know, with this whole pandemic that happened, you know, t- three years ago, or two years, almost, almost three years ago, you know, it's really affected the, these, the mindset of these, these kids, you know, like, like right now, we've had 15 fights in, in under two months, and last year we only had three. The year before we had zero, and the year before that we had zero. So the pandemic you know, locked everybody down. And so these kids were like left at home at a detrimental age at like seventh and eighth grade, sixth grade. And so they, they should have been learning. And instead they were had, they're like, Oh, we're giving you a Chromebook and you can study from home. And so there was a lot of uh, kids that were home without their parents. And so they, they had access to Fortnite and they had access to pornography if they had a computer and the internet. So I, th- I think it's just, done a complete disservice to our community by you know they they had free access to the these two entities that were just just destroyed their minds and so they're more violent they're not fulfilled they're they're not happy and so they're at each other's throats and constantly fighting and i i i think that was the entire plan to to do in the first place. I mean, it's, it's very interesting how Fortnite was like really took off in 2019. And so everybody was just immersed in this game where it was like a complete world where we just have free roam to do anything and build anything. And, you know, it was very violent at the same time. And so kids were actually spending real money hoarding all this equipment and they would try to make deals with each other. And then some people would just like take the items without paying or they would have some kind of like monetary system where they could like pull the money back. So there was like, there was a lot of theft going on. Mm-hmm. And then it, it, it's just very interesting how all of that just kind of like all happened at the same time, which was really intentional to create this like world of virtual reality in which they're trying to really expand and, and immerse this whole generation into AI and, you know, Oculus, you know, where you don't even have to leave your home to have a job, you know, I mean, people commute to work and then have a job and they're sitting at home in this virtual reality, but they're doing this crappy job, but you're surrounded by this artificial world, but yet you're still at home. It's kind of like that, that movie, um, that came out a couple of years ago. Uh, I drawn a blank. Ready, uh, Ready Player One. Oh uh, yeah, 
definitely. And you know, with the, with the virtual reality, um, it's one of the most horrifying feelings um, to put on a virtual reality headset, get so immersed in the world that whenever you take it off, you, your mind reels. It's like your mind forgets who you are Mm -hmm. in those instances. And if that's the case, that is the best, most applicable time for vulnerability and for programming to take place, you know, especially if the games that these kids are playing are as violent, you know, as I would say Fortnite is a mild example. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, As far as the monetary waste goes, probably the uh, runner up. I didn't mean to interrupt what you were saying. No, no, Uh, no. So one of the things that I, um, I played League of Legends. Have you ever heard of that game? No. Uh, so it's it's a huge esports game. It's one of the biggest esports games out there. Uh, whenever I stopped playing, probably in uh, early 2016 or you know late 2015, mm-hmm. um, I think the World Cup, the the uh, prize pool was like 14 million dollars. Whoa. Yeah, and that's for like the the top like 30 teams would would fight for that um so with the violence and the action is one thing uh with or the violence and the monetary spending because league of legends is the same thing you pay massive amounts of money 20 30 dollars for each of these skins for your favorite characters (laughs) they do nothing to the actual gameplay aside from aesthetic purposes it's absolutely ridiculous i've probably spent four thousand dollars in that game you know and as a you know, person going to middle middle and high school, that's a massive amount of money. Um, the biggest thing that got me though, that I noticed as a health detriment was the, uh, I mentioned hypertension earlier about the coffee. That was kind of a joke, but for the video games, that's a serious thing. I would notice after playing for 20 hours straight, like I couldn't move my body correctly. Like my body was so stiff so engaged in these five six buttons that i was using to play this damn game that trying to shift gears to anything else was so painful i didn't want to i was (laughs) training programming my body my fingers the things that i can create in this world with to mash buttons and to scream at a screen (laughs) wow so uh, out of anything um, that is detrimental to to especially young men, I will say young women don't have it as bad when it comes to video games, just because there are I feel a lot there are a lot of different um, social problems that they have to deal with. Yeah, uh, obviously it is still an issue, but with men we are very action based. I feel that's what they are. action movies, superhero movies, Call of Duty. Uh, in League of Legends, you know, it's more of a nerd game, but the level of stress that it induces in in your mind and, you know, especially a young person's body who is very hormonal to begin with, mm-hmm. it, it, it it literally, it's, it's like a, a, the perfect equation for a heart failure. Yeah. I'm not going to be surprised when I see these esports, um, like, like, maybe not the top players because they probably have like the best health professionals ever to keep them in check 
but everybody else who follows behind, I'm not going to be surprised on top of all of the, you know, cake that everyone's eating. I'm saying mm -hmm. cake is code word, uh, you know, as all, all of the doses of things that people are taking, the amount of heart failure and heart issues that we're going to see uh, in that realm of esports and high stress gaming and game, gaming uh, entertainment is going to skyrocket, especially yeah. whenever the, the actual advent of, uh, of virtual reality comes into play where it becomes the norm, which is going to happen probably within the next three years, I would say. Huh. You know, might be some connection with SADS as well. These people just suddenly dying, you know, mm. that probably are vaccinated as well. So that <laughs> you you add that to the to the mix, and they're playing video games for twenty hours plus they're plus they're vaccinated. Um, that that's a that's not a good combination. Definitely. <laughs> oh my god, dude. Uh, one one other thing, I'll I guess I'll touch on that since we're talking about some of the the um things that you know the younger generations everybody really has to deal with these things men specifically especially and especially in the younger generations because we don't have too many good role models at least i know i didn't um no no we don't you know we're, we're taught as men to sexualize and to focus on sex and uh, pornography is a really, really cheap way out of, you know, into that realm. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say one of the only things that, uh, helped me with that is, is learning my own body and learning how it made me feel. Um, there, there's a, uh, for, for guy, for a lot of people, I'm not sure if it's just for men, but there's this like post orgasm depression, right? So it's like you, you, focus on getting to that point, getting to that point. And it's a drug. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, doing heroin. And then after you're high, you get depressed and you don't feel it anymore. You don't feel anything. Um, and that can get, that can become how it is with, you know, your own internal chemistry as well. Um, and every fucking every outlet of media that is geared towards kids is geared towards sexualizing children and yeah. pushing them at least if not directly indirectly pushing them towards that direction you know everything from the the i'm not gonna i'm not super i don't get hung up on clothes like the clothes women wear whenever it's in a kid's show it's you know weird if a, a little girl you know on a kid's show is wearing like a little bikini top and you know weird sparkly clothes and it's it it shows me that there's something weird with that yeah. uh everything from that to the way disney makes their you know female characters their eyes you know it's yeah. like it's their their sex eyes i'm not gonna lie it's just sex eyes it's super weird it's like why why is elsa trying to seduce uh you know my my children i don't want that to happen yeah. you know I don't know if you've ever seen it. There's this really creepy video of it's it's a segment. I don't it's on a Disney show and it was with Ariana Grande and she's everything that she does in this like little segment is very sexualized and it's like in your face and it wasn't subtle at all. Um I'd have to find it to, to share share screen yeah. that, that video, but it's it's kind of disgusting and in very, very uh pedophilic 
you know, pedophilia, like, yeah. and uh, it's disturbing how Disney is like behind, you know, all, they've sexualized everything. I and mean, it's just in, until you wake up, you really don't notice it, you know? And then it, once you do, it's painful and you try to scream it, like yell it at people that, you know, don't see it. Um, I will, I honestly say that uh, Disney, Disney is a cult. We can agree on that. But yeah. the, um, the identitarianism that goes along with it is, it, I feel it's like a mental disorder. And not just like with Disney specifically, but with a lot of things, that identitarianist nature of needing something to identify with, to feel represented or to feel um, seen. Right. I don't know where to go with like the roots of root causes of that. Um, I would say that a big part of it is having everybody who lives in America, especially where, where is our culture? You know, none of us really have a solid set culture. You know, we all come from different places. We all have different, you know, homelands or whatever. And every single person's culture that used to be was, you know, very elaborate, very engaged and very uh, intricate. But now we're just a melting pot and no one can remember where they came from and yeah. no one can remember who they are. Um, yeah. So now our culture, unfortunately, is Disney and McDonald's. Which <laughs> we'll see how long it lasts, which I don't think it will be long, unfortunately. Yeah. And, you know, even the schools are just pushing the, the transhumanism so much in these new identities. What do you identify as? And, you know, even we we were we had like a gift exchange where we do all year long with with one of our coworkers. And the, one of the very first question is, is what do you identify as? And I was like, you know, what <laughs> identify as me and myself, you know, just call me Mr. Mikey. <laughs> And, you know, it's just distracting and it's an unnecessary that we have to, you know, identify as something that we're not. Or if if you decide that you want to be someone else one day and be someone else another, it, it's, it doesn't mean anything, you know. It just causes confusion is what it does. And then people get triggered when another person who doesn't know who you are calls you by he or she or you know, or identifies you incorrectly, then that person's just going to be upset and pissed off and never come back, you know, just because you said something that you said the wrong identity. You're right. We're just living in an upside down world. <laughs> I don't like lying to people. I don't like lying to people. And, you know, ultimately if you're lying to yourself, I, I don't want to play along with it. You know, it's, there's objective reality I'm a very subjective person myself. I sub, you know, I have lots of subjective ideas, opinions, and that's fine. But mm. whenever I see somebody denying objective reality, you know, it's like you can pretend if you want, you can be a furry kind of kin or whatever the heck. I've seen teachers, uh, the one teacher, he has the, the huge breasts and he's going to school like that. And then the other teacher is like, doing their class in front of their you know high school class as dressed as a furry <laughs> and it's just like wh um, what are you accomplishing does it I, I don't know 
we can we could get lost in a in a rabbit hole of philosophical debate but it's all at the end of that just trying to rationalize the irrational yeah well i actually heard that the guy who's wearing those gigantic prosthetic breasts he's actually making a mockery of the the policies of that school so he's getting all this attention but he's doing it in a way that is like this is ridiculous this is acceptable you know but thank god yeah i'm glad to hear that so he's not wow. really doing it because he identifies as a woman. He's making a mockery of what the school is forcing him to do in order to conform to their, their you know, transhumanism policies. Wow. Oh, so, I really would like to, to follow that story. That's yeah. a lot more interesting. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. After I heard that, I was like, oh, OK. So he's making a mockery of the, the entire situation by, you know, going extreme, you know. Right. Otherwise, you're not calling enough attention if you're not doing something extreme you know exactly <clears throat> it was just like you you were uh you were talked at city hall uh, you know a couple weeks ago and you were uh, trying to get fluoride out of the water and i was actually looking at it how how feasible would it be and so i was like looking at the uh what it would take and you needed like 15 percent of the population to sign a petition and agree that they want fluoride taken out of the water so it's it's impossible to get city council to do anything if it's just you. But if you present, uh, if you did the same conversation with city council and you said, all right, I have 15% of the population that says we want to get fluoride out of the water. They, they are forced to pay attention and listen and be like, okay, well, since you guys want this out of the water, we'll put it to a vote in the next election. But, the, but the problem is they all have to be registered voters. If they're not registered voters, their their voice isn't counted, which is complete bullshit. The most people who don't want fluoride in the water aren't voting. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, the vast majority of all of us who belong to these groups, I mean, we're we're not voting because we we know it's a facade. So it's it's almost like we're just calling on deaf ears. So unless we're in a smaller community and you have a smaller group of people that you have to change the minds of, it would be a lot easier to get you know, a thousand votes versus 15,000, you know? Right. It's super frustrating uh, even going there because, you know, honestly, I know I'm not going to accomplish anything just speaking there uh, between them. Yeah. One of the reasons why I did go there is, you know, first off, it's free speech practice, you know, so that's helpful. Um, it's also recorded. You know, anybody who was watching that, you know, I'm sure there are plenty of people who actually do watch the city council things just because they're bored you know yeah. maybe they learn something new um one yeah of you're, things... you're in, you're educating the public exactly and yeah. as far as getting you know 15,000 or 15 percent of uh of the voter population that mm -hmm. sounds pretty feasible i'm not gonna lie it sounds pretty feasible but you know who has the time to to <laughs> say it's to a that? lot of footwork and you gotta have a lot of resources to go door to door right yeah so i you know i have a good amount of experience doing uh door-to-door -door stuff for uh, politicians which don't ask me about that i'm not proud of it uh <laughs> let's talk about that 15 bucks right <laughs> um but yeah it's uh it, it would take a lot of work but i see as time goes on the more people that get involved with it you know we're just gonna get more and more unhealthy until people reach a a, a tipping point yeah you know so we'll see how it goes because you know the 
everybody that I talk to in these spheres and these in these fields, regardless of if, if it's in the flat earth community or, you know, freedom based communities like uh, voluntarist communities, anarchists, libertarian, everybody wants the same damn thing almost. It's like, OK, we want to. Yeah, well, not everybody. There are some people who are perfectly fine being in the city, but <laughs> I would say a majority of the people want to get off the grid go and live in a not a commune not like some kind of shared weird space situation but have their own property that is nearby other people's own property that Mm -hmm. they get along with and they understand and they know and they can rely on it's like these are simple simple things and trying to get to the point where we can all do that uh you know it's it's a challenge but that's where we're all headed yeah i don't see any other any other option uh, and for what one of the reasons why I'm going to school is, like I say, said to, uh, in, in school, I want to be able to kind of express those ideas that might not otherwise be introduced in that realm. And after I graduate, my actual uh, goal is to help kind of thread together this dying world of corporatism and I say capitalism, not in the fact that capitalism is a bad thing, but just the bloated thing that it's the bloated thing has become mm-hmm. hypercapitalism. Let's say, thread that together with a naturalistic or community-based or you know traditional system or lifestyle, and provide a bridge for people who are stuck in those realms who don't realize that they there is something more that they can be doing something more even if they're not making a ton of money or big bucks or whatever, they could be making a lot of, you know, you know, deepening their fulfillment with life by just going and working with other people. Even if you're like, I'm doing business majoring, you know, I'm going to be a business major and working with other people and helping them make money, helping them, you know, set uh, like set their roots down so they can, in, you know increase their not their wealth really i don't really care about wealth too much as far as monetary goes but you know the, whenever i sit here wealth i don't think of money anymore i think of happiness that mm-hmm. is my currency my currency is my happiness if i'm not being happy what is what are all my material items worth right you know to me they'd be worth nothing you know yeah. luckily i do get you know, happiness from my material items because I'm happy with my life. If yeah. I wasn't happy with my life, I don't know what I, how I would feel. Um, but providing that bridge for people and giving people an idea of what is out there beyond the cubicle, beyond the the skyline, and you know, showing people. I would just say I'm looking at my my background right now showing people the mountains yeah you know move move your businesses there move your energy there that is where you know home is for not everybody but some people for me um yeah we'll see we'll see how it goes as far as getting the fluoride out of dallas's water (laughs) uh that's pretty low on my on my uh, priority list but you know, if I have another opportunity and I have some spare time, I'll go out there again. Might as well. Um, you know, the people that are inter- are are working for that, they're very passionate. Um, I will say, unfortunately, 
sometimes that passion can be a little bit too expressive and express itself in a way of frustration or anger. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be honest, when I go up there and speak in front of these people who are obviously corrupt, who are in, in, in charge of one of the largest metropolitan areas, you know, in the nation. Yeah. Obviously these people aren't good people. Right. Even if they say they're on our side, even if they're like saying, Oh, we'll back up, you know, you taking, you know, speaking to get the fluoride out of the water. I know that they're, that I'm speaking basically to the devil or at the very yeah. least speaking to deaf ears. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I feel like the way that we express to those entities show reflects on our character. And if we scream and yell at them, it's just further compounding that, and not even in their eyes, but in the eyes of onlookers, it's further compounding this stereotype of, oh, this crazy lady's yelling about fluoride. Mm-hmm. The government's right about all these conspiracy theorists. You know what I mean? And I, unfortunately, I did see that that day. Yeah. And I don't want to see any more of that. I want people who at least on my team, who are ready to, if they choose to go and speak about these things, to speak about it with, you know, precise, you know, calculated emotions, calculated intention, and not let their emotions just like run wild and rampant. I, yeah. I, I do that myself. I'm not going to lie. Like I get passionate. I get fired up. I love it. But whenever you're <laughs> in the view of, people who don't know the way the presentation is everything yeah you know and i i don't like to think like in in a way that might be vain like i don't really care too much about how i dress i like to look nice to, for myself um and i don't really care too much about how i speak whenever i'm uh with the people that i love and care about you know i just speak from my heart and that's how it comes out but not everyone is like that. Not yeah. everyone understands that. Um, so that's as far as my priority list goes, it's reaching out to the people who do get it, reaching out to the people who do want something more and who already know that something more is out there. Um, right. I will say Telegram has been uh, an integral part in my communication for people. If I didn't have that, I don't know where you know, I wouldn't be nearly as successful with this as I am, which is scary. It's scary, Mikey, because if I think about this almost every day, if something happens and Telegram shuts down, all of this work, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a lot to to recuperate from because yeah. that's the centralized hub. And I'm not about centralization. The only centralized point in each and every one of our lives should be us. Each yeah. and every point, you know, I, I should be the only centralized point in my life. There should be no centralized point higher than me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm trying to focus on now um, as far as activism is shifting away from the centralized since the centralized ideas and getting into you know, getting people connected on a, and this is what I've been doing for the last two years, getting people connected on a face-to-face basis. You know, we've had, I think, seven meetups now mm-hmm. for yeah. the DFW True Earthers. 
And for my other group, which we can talk about in a minute, um, you know, we've had upwards of 20. Wow. You know, um, so getting people face to face is, it doesn't matter how much fluoride's in the fucking water. It doesn't matter how many chemtrails are in the sky. It doesn't matter, you know, how much 5G is being, is microwaving our brains. If we have each other, it will be better. If right. we have each other, we will be okay. Yeah. I think it's it's awesome that you have these these telegram groups the gather to do firearm training, gardening classes and you know long-term food storage. I mean whatever gets people together and to be educated to kind of you know be able to live on your own and not rely 100% on the government or corporations. I mean we needed to learn how to be self-sufficient and and learn how to communicate. I mean you even we're promoting well, like when I first joined, I, I had just missed the the ham radio class. <laughs> so, right. And uh, that's that's a way to uh, continue conversations. If, if social media gets so bad where everything's just censored and we can't do anything, at least we would have we can have a channel that we can like communicate on and like actually talk to each other. So I'm down to like, you know, I have a ham radio, but I haven't been able to connect with anybody to have a channel. So if if the emergency does arise and we're all booted off of social media because of, you know, group think social media de determines that we're a threat. I mean, they can't boot us off a of ham radio. At least I don't think so. <laughs> Not easily, at least. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, if you have a, your own transceiver and stuff like you're you're pretty good. One of the things with the. Uh, like they control a lot of the cell towers and a lot of the, you know, the radio towers. So yeah, uh, for us, we live pretty close together. So if we need, you know, if there were, were to be a, um, cause I have like two other friends who lived in that area right over near you. You know, if that was a, if there was a, you know, shit at the fan moment, you know, that, that would be a good group of people to get along with. Yeah. Um, that, and that's like the decentralized aspect of it. Cause Ultimately, we want to rely uh, at as least as we can on technology, even the ham radios. The best thing to do is to have a meetup location. Okay, if things go south, this is point A that we can meet. This is point B that we can meet and see. Yeah, we can't meet up any of those places. You know, we do the best we can, but. I don't focus too much on the on the end goal or the uh, the I say end goal on the um, like apocalyptic ideas just because it's for me that's not what I'm investing in. Mm -hmm. you know, plenty of people are, and I definitely don't want to be a burden on those who are investing in those uh, and, and like prepping. Um, obviously, food preparation is important for everybody. If you're not doing that, then you know, I, I'm about to buy a seven or a 25 pound bag of rice and I'm hoping that'll be okay for a little while. Uh, <laughs> it's like a, uh, Azure standard market, um, has some pretty good deals on grains. We just found that out. Um, but as far as the like plans, you know, I, it's not something I've been able to, um, to like, like invest any of my time into. Mm -hmm. I would love to have uh, a group of people who, are dedicated to helping others plan with their, with their local, uh, you know, extended family. So I'd say, yeah. Um, but right now my priority is just getting people face to face to begin with. 
Yeah, that's good. Yeah, because we we all need to know each other and and you know meet in person and have a connection because that that's going to be the most important thing and surviving together instead of alone is, is way better. Absolutely, I hear a lot of people they say like you know they feel like they're more lone wolf kind of types and i just don't i don't see how that would ever be beneficial you know unless you're in the middle of the city and you're have you know having to go i don't even know i can't i can't uh formulate why where that would be a a benefit yeah yeah i mean i we have like a bug out bag and we have a bunch of survival stuff and but and that's not a real scenario. I mean, I don't, I don't know that we're going to get to that kind of point. I think we're, we're still far away from us being, I mean, they we may come to a point where they just knock on the door and they're, they'll just take away our, our, our guns and force us to live in the inner city. But I, I are they going to allow us to leave if, if we want to choose to leave? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just want to move out, away from the city and then have my own property so I can just rely on myself and ignore all the noise, disconnect if I need to, and still be able to survive without, without technology, you Absolutely. Know, have a, have a, a well. So I don't have to rely on city water and, and, you know, maybe have solar even, you know, solar isn't really reliable either. I mean, it only lasts 20 years that most of these, uh, the solar panels that they build. I mean, the, everything has a lifespan and it doesn't exceed like 20 years. You know, it's, it's like having an old, you know, it's better to have an old car versus one of the newer models because, you know, you can work on stuff yourself and uh, I don't know. It, it's <laughs> Well, one of the things um, just to bring up the cars real quick. Uh, so right now I'm doing a work from home job. It's um doing like emergency roadside assistance dispatch. It's super easy. It's just very repetitive. Um, some of these new cars, like the 2022 models, um, I get calls from people saying, help, I'm locked out. My app won't open my car door. My app won't work. Mm. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I'll, it's kind of, I, I get a kick out of it whenever um whenever I get a call from a Tesla owner or a, um, a electric vehicle owner and they're like, I've, I've run out of, um, uh, I've run out of battery. I've run out of fuel. And then they have to re- like say, wait, I've run out of battery. And uh, then they ended up have to getting or have to uh, get like a hundred mile tow because they're out in the middle of nowhere. Or maybe like a 20 mile tow, not a hundred miles, but yeah, it's just like the, the direction that this that specifically the vehicle industry is heading Mm -hmm. is the opposite of convenient transportation it's like let's make this as difficult as possible for people and on top of that even the tesla teslas aren't bad cars don't get me wrong aside from the fact that you can uh recall them and literally like from a centralized computer say okay beep boop and then all of a sudden your car is pulling out of your driveway to get up on a repo, uh, a repo truck. You know, they can do that. They can yeah. do that. Um, but as far as the actual drivability of it, perfectly fine. However, 10 years in the future, after Tesla's already like, you know, bit, become their big thing 
all of these, you know, crappy, like off brand, you know, Chinese battery cars are going to come into play and they're going to have a range of like 50 miles, 25 yeah. miles before you have to, you know, recharge again. And what, what does that do for people, especially living in Texas, you know, even in California, you know, how many, how, how long of a drive you have to go just to get to your neighbor's house, you yeah. know, is it's super unrealistic. Yeah. Um, well, it's because so, yeah. they want us, they want to limit us and not go anywhere. Exactly. They want us confined into the city limits. They don't want us driving around and exploring. They just want us confined to our slave quarters. And all right, you can only go 150 miles out because that's the range of like most electric vehicles. You know, in the Midwest, I mean, there's hardly any charging stations at all. So mm -hmm. you can't go out there. You know, when they first introduced it, it's like, oh, you can go anywhere. You just, you just set up the, the the app and you can have your destination mapped out so all these like charging stations are in between but it's it's rarely like that most of these charging stations don't even operate anymore right. and in, unless you're in the inner city and it's near like the the manufacturer's vicinity but out the outskirts once they install them they just forgot about them you know but if anything goes wrong and there's like an electrical mishap there's nobody knows how to work on them to fix them right you know so they have to you have to rely on on the actual manufacturer and it takes months for them to even service them because they don't care because it's 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 a uh, a cost it's not a not a benefit at all except to the driver so i think i think we should bring the airships back yeah i mean they were very efficient in the the late 1800s right i mean you know, from from investigating the Tartaria and the mud floods, I mean, it was very commonplace to fly around in, in a airship, and it was cost effective. It, they didn't use any fuel. It, I, I don't know what kind of fuel they ran on, but it wasn't fossil fuels. I mean, thinking about it, you could just you could probably just do like either some type of uh, magnet magnetized um, assisted, you know, human generated energy. You know, maybe yeah. like I don't, I don't know. I'm not even gonna try to um, formulate well, how they did that, but it was efficient one way or another. Well, the higher up you went, you could collect that that free energy source. You Good know, point. And uh, yeah, I mean, which is why the the Tesla towers, like we have a a Tesla uh, tower in near Waco that was built by Baylor University. They spent eighteen billion dollars. And it's just been sitting there. I, I even talked to my one of my science teachers. I'm like, Let, let's let's plan a, a field trip out there. Let's see what they're actually doing with that free energy system. You know, let's audit right. it. <laughs> yeah, I've been out, I've been down there a few times. Uh, I haven't gone up to it, but you know, you drive past it and you can't miss it. Yeah, you know, you're driving this, down to Wicklow. It's on the right. Um, it's a gold ball. On, exactly, and just on the left, actually, there's a. Uh, have you seen on the left-hand side of that road right over there? There are a bunch of uh, monolithic domes. There are monolithic really? dome homes right there. Yeah, right there. Well, they're probably testing the free energy there too. Who knows? It, it looks super weird. They're like projects. It's You'd think like for something super cool like monolithic domes, you'd have a little bit of a better uh, um, like station, uh, I don't know, like complex for your original place but it's they're kind of like crappy apartments i'm not gonna lie uh i love the idea of monolithic domes but it's 
it's really uh, they have one though it's super cute it's shaped like a giant caterpillar <laughs> it's shaped like a giant caterpillar it's adorable interesting so yeah check it out next time you're down there um that, that whole area is weird anyway i mean wachahat uh, wachahatchee i think i'm pronouncing that right mm-hmm. that's where they had that giant uh super col- uh super collider yeah. that they were building and it was built underground and it's like 20 miles wide and they stopped because they ran out of funding but that was like the beginning of the super collider that was supposed to encompass all of texas i mean uh not texas but dallas mm-hmm. and that one was going to be 60 miles wide so it was going to go all the way to arlington all the way to, to to like past forney and then all the way up past addison and then south all the way to wachahatchee and they definitely stopped building that for sure absolutely yeah you know definitely because it was going to cost i don't know 108 billion dollars <laughs> when well, it was all I mean, said and done they they just uh finished a a tunnel from um from like east texas to the fort worth uh like water reservoir and it that that thing cost i want to say it was uh, upwards of a billion dollars to to dig and it's just like wow i don't know one thing that clover mentioned to me the other day she wonders with uh with all the man-made lakes and the uh, dam reservoirs that we build and considering the fact that there's only one natural lake in texas there's two what i think the only one that i know of is caddo yeah but the other one is like near Galveston, which is near the the ocean. Really? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So one of the things she mentioned is like, what if all the dams and reservoirs that they built, like, like stopped the formation of the natural lakes? You know, like, what if the there were natural lakes at one point, but Probably. then all of a sudden, you know, we just build all these dams and we move the lakes. So. Yeah. Just a thought, but it, you know, but, it's it's frustrating whenever you don't have a fresh water source nearby. That's very day. possible. I mean, we've been weather modification. I mean, uh, modifying the weather for so long, we don't even know what natural weather looks like because we've been manipulating the weather for over a hundred years. Right. And uh, Texas alone. I mean, we've been doing it since eight, uh, 1951. And so, yeah, it's uh, there. There are two. Um, weather modification stations for the Texas Department of, uh, I think it's the Wildlife Preservation and Land Development, I want to say. One one of those departments. Um, But there's one in South Texas, and then there's one in West Texas, uh, very nearby. The reason I discovered this, do you remember all the fires that were happening in West Texas? Uh, Yeah, I know about them. Yeah, so they were huge. They were huge. And then I uh, I looked them up. They were in literally like a, a town called West Texas is W E S T, and very nearby that town was uh, another town. I cannot remember the name, but I looked uh, looked it up, and it not not joking at all. It was the last name of one of the main proponents for weather modification. Hmm. And yeah, I'll have to bring. I'll I'll shoot it back to you whenever I can. Whenever I can uh, find it, but it was super weird, super synchronistic. Um, yeah, I've been doing a lot of research on uh, weather modification lately, and it's it's all very fascinating, especially uh, in Texas. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, we've been manipulating the weather for so long that we don't even know what natural weather looks like. And it, when you want something to be altered in one area, it's going to detrimentally affect another region. So everything from the West Coast is just extremely dry, but they're also spraying over there too. So if we did have natural lakes, I mean, it could be a part of why there isn't any natural lakes because we're constantly pulling moisture from from areas that that probably were once, you know, very populated and, and there's dense forests and all that, but we've through hundred, you know, decades of manipulating the weather, there, there's no longer the the natural running running water. And so we don't know what that, that looks like anymore because we're constantly trying to control uh, control stuff, you know. Right. And uh Victor Schauberger some uh some of the work that he's done. Um he the first place he ever came do you know are you familiar with victor schauberger no uh he he did a lot of work in um kind of discovering and expressing water's natural tendency to self uh organize so water implosion and vortex energy vortex uh physics hmm. uh huge he he basically uh revitalized the entire logging industry of uh of eastern europe so it, oh, yeah wow. very very um prolific uh architect and engineer but the first place that he came in the united states was dallas <laughs> and whenever he came here he saw the water towers and when I, I, it's in the book that you can read uh by callum coates called um uh living energies um one of the first things he said was why are they trying to pull all the water out of the ground and store them in towers? Don't they understand that that's like counterintuitive pretty <laughs> much? It's like you're trying to, you're taking all of the water out of an area that's already like dried up. So it, you know, it's, and whenever I read that, I was like, wow, that makes so much sense. You see all these like old world architecture, all these uh, old world buildings and the way that they use the water they used the moving nature of the water. They didn't keep it stored and stagnant. They kept yeah. it moving and recycling. But for us, we keep, you know, water, water towers everywhere, you mm -hmm. know, to store the stagnant water. And it's just, it's dead. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how much, uh, like, energy recapture <laughs> they use. If uh, I imagine that if you are you an uh, engineer and you have that water up you know as high as they do that you would in you know implement some type of energy recapturing system so that whenever the water falls back down you get some of it back hmm. um but whenever you see some of the ways that they're the aqueducts in italy work and uh the kinetic energy that they generate and use from the water powered the entire you know civilizations interesting yeah absolutely at least a uh, part of it you know a big another big part of it whenever you look at the uh, tartarian um get down the rabbit hole is the etheric energy as well i think it kind of goes hand in hand yeah absolutely yeah i'm still <clears throat> doing a lot of research on tartaria and the mud floods and the great reset of the 1800s if if it happened during that time and we really don't know because history has just been altered so much and we're meant to believe this this certain narrative that we 
we teach in school, which is most of it is all complete bullshit. I mean, you know, my friend, he's a history teacher and he, he's well aware that, you know, a lot of our history is, uh, just been altered and complete bullshit. And <clears throat> there's only so much that we can teach in school without, you know, without going out of compliance. <laughs> right. Absolutely. You know, I, I recently found out that, uh, a lot of our funding comes from the the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the Walton Foundation. Oh, and, and this is for a public school. Yeah, it it is a it's it's considered a charter, but it's part of uh, Dallas Unified School District. Gotcha. Yeah, I went to I went to a charter school myself. Actually, it's it's yeah. a little bit better. It's a little bit better than a public school. Yeah, but every year it's changing for the worst. It's it's constantly evolving to something that you know is unrecognizable even from ten years ago. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. It's been about it's been about ten years, almost about eight since I've been in high school. So I mean ten years ago they weren't showing CNN ten in every classroom oh, every no. morning. They they were showing CNN ten every morning oh, when really? I was going to school. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. That was that was a big thing. I totally remembered that. Oh my god. Bill Nye was a huge thing. Keep that in mind. Yeah. It's still a thing. The great so. actor. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Oh, I, I guess that would be a good segue into talking about how I came to Flat Earth then before we do close up. Because sure. I don't know. Um, it's a two-hour conversation, right? It's about five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, uh, yeah I was, I'm curious how you got into Flat Earth, especially as a you know, former or former atheist. Yeah. Okay. So, um, first off, whenever I was a kid, I, I totally disregarded God. I'll just say that I focused on the hyper-materialistic, uh, route. I disregarded anything that wasn't real quote unquote, like percept perceptible or perceivable, uh, with my eyes and, you know, with my, um, direct senses. So, mm -hmm. Obviously, I would, you know, go go down that path of, you know, space exploration. Uh, I say obviously. There's a few steps between um, disregarding anything, uh, uh, focusing on the hypermaterial and space exploration, but obviously they're intertwined. Um, whenever I was, I think, 15 is whenever I decided to that I wanted to be an astrophysicist. Um, so our lovely you know, friend Neil deGrasse Tyson, um, <laughs> he essentially had the place in my mind that if I were, say, Christian, that Jesus would hold. So he was basically my prophet between um, Neil deGrasse Tyson for my understanding of reality and uh, Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, and a, a few other people for my understanding about spirituality and, yeah. you know, God. Um, so one of the big things that I, I was into is Cosmos whenever it came out, then the reboot of Cosmos. And that just compounded and compounded. I literally fell asleep watching that show anytime I would have a bad day. Anytime I would have a bad day. Oh, I yeah, it was turn. relaxing. Exactly. It was relaxing. It was etheric. It was like like living in a dream or like watching a dream it was so beautiful beautifully made uh mm -hmm. seth mcfarlane the guy who made family guy 
and American Dad and all those shows was one of the main producers of that show. In case you didn't know, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So he's a uh, big into he's a big Fox uh, player, but um, that's one of the reasons why it was so entertaining. I feel is because he knows how to entertain the human mind, especially one that doesn't know to, what to look for. Um, so moving from uh, wanting to be an astrophysicist from the time I was like 14 to 17. Uh, after that, I was like, okay, it's not really realistic. It's not what I want to do. I'm going to do something a little bit more in line with what I feel I can accomplish. Um, got into business and whatever. Uh, after I started, <laughs> I started diving into the more psychedelic realms, you know, something I haven't done in years now. Uh, but I, you know, my first few times getting into it, I realized like, oh, wow, there's a lot that I didn't know. There's a lot that I didn't realize. And this is after I had the Mala experience, after I got into my spiritual understanding of curiosity, um, whenever, one time, whenever I was, uh, I was on a trip with my, one of my ex-girlfriends, I said one of my ex-girlfriends, my ex-girlfriend at the time, my previous ex-girlfriend from my current relationship, uh, we were together for four and a half years and she really helped, uh, open up the door that was my grandmother's teaching hmm. right and all of a sudden years and years of my grandmother teaching me about government corruption mk ultra fucking like reptilians and everything not necessarily in the idea that they were real but mm -hmm. in the ideas that that it could be a possibility all of that got snapped awake in me hmm. and so i was down all the conspiracy rabbit holes all of a sudden out of the blue uh and it took like three years to really um to kind of reel back and like see okay what is important where should i prioritize my time what should i allow into my mind um throughout that entire time i never considered flat earth i never considered that that would ever be anything that was realistic provable uh, or hold any um, foundation whatsoever. So one of the places I did go, however, was the electric universe theory. That was an idea that I did get uh, really immersed in. And I still feel like a, a, a lot of their um, discovery, you know, have you ever heard of the Thunderbolts project by any chance? Uh, no, not that no I can problem. recall. They, they're uh, big proponents of the electric universe theory, um, big on YouTube. Um, and they do a lot of actual astronomical uh, observations and research. And I felt deeply in love with their work, um, as well as some of the ideas of like the Anunnaki and, you know, more biblical um, predictions and theories. But I didn't, again, even at that time, I totally denounced the Bible. Uh, until I discovered the work of Santos Bonacci. Mm. Uh, once I discovered the work of Santos Bonacci, I started giving the Bible more credibility. Interesting. Yeah. So he's great. Dude, I love the dude. Uh, <laughs> I will say, whenever he speaks about Jesuits, he is very passionate. That's very, it's funny. Um, <laughs> but I, I wish him peace. And I, I looked up to him for every year since I discovered his work. You know, it's something that I, uh, specifically his videos on um, the, the temple, our bodies, 
uh, relation and how it's described in the Bible. Um, I've referenced many, many people to that work, and it's something I still hold uh, dear in my heart. Um, so yeah, getting out of the, I wouldn't say getting out of the Electric Universe theory, but I started listening to uh, podcasters like uh, Crow Triple Seven and then Alpha Vedic, uh, and I think those two podcasts together because. I was still very much a Glover, very much an idea like, oh, it might be hollow, you know, you know, it's like hollow earth theory with, um, with the inner parts of it being uh, some kind of magical world, you know, that that was very enticing to me. It was a very interesting concept. And I was like, okay, that could make sense. I could conceptualize that. Uh, And then Crow came along and talked about how he, uh, you know, basically how the earth wasn't a globe and up until that point he had my attention he had every you know i was very intently listening to what he was talking about and then he said that i'm like wait what what the fuck did you just say (laughs) (laughs) then i honestly it didn't even really click i i just chalked it up to okay this is something we disagree on and i'm gonna take everything i can from it uh, from the show from the podcast and I'm going to avoid any of the, you know, crazy flat earther stuff. I don't want people to think I'm weird and uh, yeah. believe in the earth is flat. And well, honestly, the only thing it took for me to get converted was one conversation with like an actual conversation I had with somebody uh, in, in vibe. Uh, you, you met him before Jackson. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Jackson was my, uh, my conversion point he yeah just he saw me as an intelligent individual i looked up to him a lot because i knew like he saw things how i saw them a lot of people in the in in vibe in the dallas freedom cell network uh the dfw freedom cell network at the time they didn't see things the same as i did um they still they had ideas about uh government and they had ideas about um you know what freedom is like but as far as the spirituality aspect goes as far as how deep and subjective the government control or the mind control goes and what the ultimate goals are of that mind control mm-hmm. we didn't see eye to eye and it's hard to explain those things to people even if they're in they're kind of a little bit more awakened to the reality uh of what we're what we're having to go through right now in, in this uh in this life well jackson he saw things exactly how I saw them, you know. I, I will say he, he does have a little bit more of a nihilistic perspective, which is fine. You know, he he um I think he feeds off my optimism and I feed off of his nihilism. <laughs> we kind of we have a really fun uh back and forth a lot of the times. But he, you know, he was an integral part and still is. Like I still talk to him about. Uh, about things whenever I have uh, ideas um, but he was an integral part in shifting my mind towards uh, what I would consider to be more rooted in reality than I yeah. have ever been um, and yeah after that it was just you know video after video uh, I will say the thing that he really turned me on to was Iwaranon. Uh after I watched Iwaranon, I was thoroughly I thoroughly knew that it was not what we were uh, what we were told, 
and that got me turned on to Tartaria, the mud floods, the resets, um, all that good stuff. And yes. I, I finally had the keys, the contextual keys to see the world and to kind of decode it as I went. Um, so now, you know, we can go over to Dallas sometime and we can go and see the old Tartarian architecture that's still there. And yep. it's like, wow, that looks a lot different than anything else, any other skyscraper in the city. You know, yeah. I'm about to go to a uh, rock wall uh, next Sunday with uh, with a friend and we're about to go see um, some of the bricks that are from the large rock wall that mm-hmm. are underneath the place. So, you know, I, I do appreciate um not just Jackson, but a few other people too, who they, they provided me with those contextual keys of just saying, you don't know what it is. Nobody really knows what it is. We can show, we can see what it isn't. It just takes an open mind to see that. Right. Well, here we are. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's evidence everywhere of this history that we've been hidden from. You know, it's just like the whole rock wall. I mean, I, I've been investigating that and actually I was supposed to go back to the to uh, the museum because there's a museum on, on the property. And uh, I hadn't gotten back yet because the, they, they were going to a funeral. So I'm, we, we plan on going back and then doing like an actual formal interview and then piecing it together because I mean, it, it's so freaking interesting. I mean, there's so much like architecture that's here in Dallas that they're evidence that it's been here much longer and you know all over the all over the country i mean we're, we're surrounded by architecture that that was here way before we we you know founded this country and so a lot of it they tried to burn down and then they rebuilt it and that's when they call it the, the founded date or when they rebuilt and built these structures over top of the the structures that they burned down because all these major cities I mean, they had these like massive fires and then they used that ground as the World's Fair. And and then they, once the World's Fair was over, they destroyed everything that they didn't want people to to be connected to our past. Mm-hmm. And so, in the, you know, but in every city, there's at least two structures, one or two structures that are still remaining. You know, like in San Francisco, San Francisco, there's the the Palace of Fine Arts. I mean, that's still in existence. I mean, they, they say that they that was a new structure that was built in 1915, but in, when they reconstructed it in 1960, they left all the SWAT stickers. And it's like, why after Nazi Germany would you leave the, the SWAT stickers still on the, on the structure? Right. I thought they would have rewritten the narrative and erased the, the SWAT stickers off of that. So that was long before uh the the palace of fine arts was supposedly built and it had a completely different meaning at that time wow it's beautiful i've never i've never seen that before that is that is incredible yeah you know i've gotten really into these like deep dives but i i haven't been able to like piece things together to do my own presentation because there's so much information Mm -hmm. and i have all this like collected data and videos and and someday i'll I'll put together something but i'm really trying to like after i did this whole you know chemtrail video the the altering our skies i I really want to finish my book I'm like I got I got to I have ADHD or ADHD and I need to just focus on my book and just knock that out <laughs> finish writing Absolutely. Yeah. 
What's your book about? Um, it's really, it started out to be about flat earth, but it's really about our hidden history and how flat earth was a part of that hidden history. And they use the world's fair as a way in indoctrinating the in introducing flat earth into all the world's fairs after 1851 and how, you know, all the education system was all controlled by the Jesuits and the Catholic church and slowly, you know, through money and just, you know, political, you know, manipulation that, that they were able to control the, the education system, which is when the, the board of education was, was created in 1908. And that's when it really started to take off. And then eventually by 1930, all of the, the history professors were paid for and bought by the, the Carnegie um, endowment. Yeah. And they were they were working together with the Rockefellers and and you know Henry Ford, and so all the the tycoons that made all the the money during the uh, the Gilded Age that it it never really stopped, and so they wanted to make the perfect workers and make everybody enslaved part of this whole you know corporate system, and so you know it's all about world world control. It's taken a long time to get to where they are now, but it's all part of the same same system. I mean, I mean, most of our professors came from the same university in in Germany, and slowly over over. Jeez. Oh my God! You don't hear that, do you? No, I'm good. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got all these alerts from this crypto Telegram. They they keep uh, adding me. Even though I keep banning them, <laughs> uh, I've not gotten into crypto. Not yeah, gotten into crypto. Yeah, I mean, I do have some crypto, but it's nothing to like sneeze at. It's sure. like, it's like whatever I make, I'm not reinvesting any real money into it. You know, it, it's. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I think something big is going to happen, and it's gonna, there's going to be a financial reset, and because there there's some shit going down. You know, I mean, China is being blocked from a lot of uh, bank banking institutions right now. Like Chase is no longer uh, trading monetarily through with China. Neither is PayPal, uh, not PayPal. Um, Apple, uh, Citibank's withdrawn from China. I mean, all these things are going on, and it's just they're they're creating this war scenario. I mean, it's just like the Russia is being cut off from the oil pipeline. Uh, China wants to invade Taiwan and take over the entire Pacific. I mean, that's going to change the entire um, our trade and manufacturing if that happens. If they take over the entire Pacific, I mean, we're, what what is going to happen to the United States? We don't we don't manufacture anything. We, well, we'll have to we'll be forced into a place where we do where we will have to. Yeah. Um, I will say, as far as like large scale factories, we don't really have nearly as much as uh, China does. But whenever it comes to like manufacturing ability, uh, I think we do have a pretty good chance just because, you know, I, I know five places within, you know, 10 miles of me that has a CNC router. You know, mm -hmm. it's like there, there are plenty of, a bit, there's plenty of uh, opportunity to manufacture. Um, but I think like China, their big thing is like mass producing, you know, make it as cheap as possible. 
make the make our customers reliant on this process of cheap you know manufacturing fabrication to where they stop they don't remember or they don't know how to do it themselves mm-hmm. um that's a great point you made earlier there are too many people in college and there are not enough people who know how to manufacture stuff by hand mm-hmm. or at least using the technology that we have available to us but with uh china attacking or um uh, intending to take over taiwan from what i understand that's where like 90 plus percent of our um of our microchips come from is from taiwan yeah and that's that's something we need to learn how to manufacture right if anything that we don't know how to manufacture that we don't have the ability to uh computer chips is probably the the number one thing yeah if we're forced in a scenario where we're in a world war I mean, just kind of like how we were in the in the '40s. I mean, will the government will kind of mandate manufacturers to switch to making whatever we need to survive? I mean, that's probably what is going to happen, and it's going to change America how how we know it today. And you know, we're going to have to rely completely on ourselves, but at the same time. It is opening the doors for the the new world government, and I don't know who's going to be in control of that. If it's going to be, you know, this, you know, or I, I don't know if I think everybody's working in unison, and there's always a bad guy that operates for the United Nations or whatever you want to call it, the World Economic Forum. Everybody works together. It's just Absolutely. right now. Russia's the bad guy. He's they're they're gonna they're gonna use Russia to be the the kind of like the strong arm to mm-hmm. force countries that don't comply into compliance into getting the World Bank, and then they're gonna force everybody to get in these like World Bank currency or platforms. That way, it's all controlled. I mean, that's why we have wars in in countries like Iraq and Afghanistan who don't have a, a world central centralized bank. They, they want to stay independent and that's, that doesn't work with the narrative. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's, it's going to be weird. Uh, um, I, I've thought about like, if like the whole, the shift, the social shift is going to, especially with all the people dying, if that's going to happen in the, in the, at the scale that we think uh, that might happen what's going to happen to all the property what's going to happen to all the resources because regardless of how much waste and uh, reliance that we have on china on um you know third world countries we have probably some of the most resources out of any other nation yeah available to us uh so one thing that my mom says is use your resources wisely right and it's something that we're going to have to learn how to do. That's, you know, it's going to be a big shock for whenever we, uh, um, we see, I think it's going to be a shock whenever we see, uh, that we are, are reliant on these com- these countries and all the, on these systems. And it's going to be a shock when we, uh, when we learn how to be self-sufficient, I think it's also going to be shock and a, a shock in a positive way, whenever we see how good we really have it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what, how much we really have available to use and to create with. Yeah. Have I met your mom? 
I don't. I'm not sure. Maybe yeah. Maybe at the uh, maybe at the tiny house convention or the tiny house show. Oh, that's who. That's who I met. Yeah, okay. yeah. Who was it that I met at the lake when we did the curvature test? That was also my mom. She was there too. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So, she seems mom, like a cool mom. woman. She's cool. Yeah. yeah. She was really She's... quiet, but but from what you're telling me, she knows a lot more, and I, I probably would have had a better conversation with her. <laughs> I know. Yeah. She, uh, so my grandmother, you know, she knows, um, a lot about my mom. One thing about my mom that I was very proud of is that, uh, she told me she, she thought I would actually be, um, disappointed in her. Uh, apparently she's never voted. Really? Oh, yeah. interesting. So that was, I was very happy whenever I heard that. I was like, oh, wow, you know, mom, I am very proud of you for that. Um, and she just, yeah, she, her and my my uh, mom's side of the family, they are not super big into government or politics or anything. It's just like you do what you have to do to survive. And, you know, you gotta, the, the place that you focus on is your community. The mm-hmm. face, place that you focus on is your family. Politics has no place in either of those. Right. You know, so. I mean, I feel guilty for voting during the 2016 election, but I haven't voted since. You know, it made me realize that the voting structure is just completely false and our votes really don't matter. Um, because when, when when my wife and I voted, I mean, they just put our, our ballot underneath the machine because obviously we were voting Republican. Because we right. were registered as a Republican, so they didn't even count our vote. We we got notification in January that our voted our votes were counted, which was ninety days after the fact. So that was that was our confirmation that this is all bullshit. Right. That, uh, it it doesn't really matter. And go on just to add the layers onto that. Um, you, know, you mentioned earlier how like all of the different sides they're basically playing the same game. You know, they all have that centralized power structure. Uh, honestly, I don't know when voting, if ever, was a legitimate thing um, on a large scale in a large scale democracy. Um, I will say that there's a possibility. I don't see it uh, to be a very big one. Uh, anything past maybe like the first five or six presidents, if that. Anything mm-hmm. beyond that, I think that the power structure is too big, too susceptible to corruption. Um, but yeah. just to to add on to that specific instance of them putting the ballots on underneath uh, so obvious that you can see it the voter who is you know you know having that done to them can see the mistreatment mm-hmm. it just seems to me like that is instigative behavior like large scale policies being trickled down to ensure a specific social outcome therefore fucking whatever happened on you know january 6th you know if that if the vote voting um discrepancies and mal uh mistreatment didn't happen at the scale that it did you know in the way that it did Mm -hmm. then january 6th couldn't have happened the way that they wanted it to yeah that was definitely constructed exactly so it's like even even things to me that like seem like, oh, this is just happening now. This is like, you know, these are just um, 
I don't know, people doing their own, uh, their own will, you know, say, you know, every, every voting booth is a Democrat or whatever. And they just happen to want to, to get all the votes, um, to ruin all the Republican votes. It just, it doesn't hold up to me. Um, for, I mean, my, my shirt right now, no masters, no slaves, you know, as far as, uh, as far as voting goes, that's, that's what I, uh, what I kind of fall back on is that authority doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, is authority isn't a real thing and any any votes towards that system regardless of if it's unfortunately either for the president or to get fluoride out of your water it's like what are you doing with that energy whenever you're giving it to that system if you're telling them not to do it in the first place you know with the vote is that your legitimate voice or is that a voice that's been manufactured for you oh it's just like what i was saying like in order to get fluoride out of the water you gotta have to have 15 percent of the the registered voters to sign a petition and then they'll put it on the ballot and then the ballot they can just freaking alter the the results dude you know oh my god i mean there was another thing about when i voted the machine looked like it had a you know like one of these old bulb lights on top of it look it looked like a box from like the 60s oh my god so i'm like looking around i'm like looking for like wi-fi i was looking for a cable some ethernet cable nothing nobody had any laptops and i'm like okay so how are the results of these votes going to you know the the major database I mean, there's no freaking way. It was it, the even even they had we had punch cards, like this old fucking shit from like the '80s, and I'm like, this is this is. Com- did people not see this? Where was this? It was in Pasadena, California. Are you serious? Yeah. So it's like a major metropolitan area. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just it's bananas. <laughs> it's like, do you people not realize what the hell is happening here? You know, even if and how I look at it is they go by registered voters. It's like, okay, well, this is how we know this person supports this party is by their registered blue, their registered red, or they're registered independent. And that that's another way of them knowing ahead of time. So the, the votes really don't matter. It's just whoever's opposing, you know, in, in that party. Seems like it might just be strictly for the uh for the like social science aspect of it you know just to have the the census of the people mm-hmm. you know rather than the the actual like the the vote it seems like you know in that instance that you just mentioned um that it's just for the census aspect to see where the public is at as yeah. far as you know who right. is willing to come out how many people aren't willing to come out? Who is actually engaged in their or trying to be engaged versus, uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's... Which is how all these like major cities, they always stay blue. And the, mm-hmm. the smaller metropolis, metropolis they, they stay red, you know, because that's just how people think, you know, the, the, the collective minds in each community will always steer a certain way unless of course you know you're trying to change an outcome like the last election where like nevada went red and new mexico or arizona went red and i hadn't seen that in years you know it's because they wanted a different outcome 
And mm-hmm. so, you know, these, these supposed swing states are how they're able to manipulate the, the results. It's going to be interesting to see the uh, the results of the uh, great uh, the Abbott versus Beto um, yeah. thing. Like I'm not again, I'm not into politics. I don't vote. I don't think it's a worthwhile of my time. But I supported Beto before I realized any of that. I was whenever Beto had his first rally in Texas. I was there, mm. not for his gubernatorial. Uh, run but for a senator run and that was when was it back 2019 maybe before that 2018 i think it was 2018 2018 yeah and you know he he, did he ever get to see the uh the lizard lounge by any chance is is shut down now no but the beto o'rourke had his first uh rally at a place called the a nightclub called the Lizard Lounge. Interesting. I just find it super ironic. Mm-hmm. Super ironic. So and that's one of the major conspiracies that they're all lizards. <laughs> Dude, for real. At least I, don't, I, I don't. I don't buy into a lot of that stuff. Right. Yeah. I think, like, as far as the the reptilian <laughs> ideas go, there are definitely there's definitely the possibility for um, extra dimensional entity like possession. Um, mm. So that's something I could take into consideration. And there's also the consideration that people, you know, can just be thinking and existing from their uh, reptilian mind, you know, that inner, inner mind that doesn't have, um, that ha- lacks empathy and lacks awareness of, you know, other human beings and other life forms. Um, so whenever people say reptilian, that's typically where I'll go with that conversation. It's like, even if they're not like fucking uh, like lizard aliens, mm-hmm. you know, the reptilian nature of their actions and of their goal is what we should be focusing on. So we can match it and meet it with human experience and human empathy and human awareness, because these people might very well be human, you know, right. if they are human, why shouldn't they be getting the same love and awareness and um, compassion that we give anything else? Mm-hmm. Some, I'm going to be honest. Sometimes compassion takes the form of mercy killings. Sometimes compassion says you are being wrong. You're, this is my perspective. This is my opinion. You know, not everybody come, you know, approaches it like this, but if I, if, if my family was being attacked being brutalized or whatever i would kill whatever entity or thing was doing that to my family well, of course absolutely I, I would be full of rage full of anger but i would also be full of compassion because i would know that whatever is doing that to my family they don't see my family they don't see what i see they don't understand what i understand it doesn't right. change the actions that they're doing and doesn't change the outcome of what's going to happen but I can still understand that they are a living being that mm-hmm. is in their mind surviving, in their mind doing what they think is, if not morally right and just, right for themselves in a self-preservation asp- uh, mentality. Right. Because so. you only have a few seconds to react and to negotiate 
or get get into that person's head to to be able to relate you know but sometimes you know the, the worst case scenario is that you just have to pull the trigger and you know that's something i never want to have to do same you Me know too. Yeah. i'm armed but i don't want to be <laughs> yeah. you know I'm, I'm not i was never really into guns you know like i i like having them just knowing that i have protection right. but i don't want to ever have to pull it out to use it one thing i had a whenever i was getting my uh my first handgun i had a, a conversation with my friend who you know i got some pretty good wisdom in the past from and i asked him i was like you know because he's very spiritually minded he doesn't own a gun he doesn't own any firearms but he's um you know very a very moral person which i feel uh and i asked him i was like what what do you think about gun ownership and like is it morally right if you know especially taking it into like the laws of attraction whenever you buy a gun whenever you buy a gun are you inviting the usage of that to come into your life you know in a way are you inviting that which is going to be you know require you to use that gun to come into your life and what he said really stuck with me you know he's like he said that you know guns and weapons and that kind of thing is an integral and integrated part of the reality that we're living in you know that's a big part of it and denying that would be denying nature denying reality you know the the wolf has teeth you know mm. we have fists unfortunately those fists evolve into guns and the things that we can use to to end something's life with the minimal effort um but what he said about gun ownership he said um there's a difference between owning a gun and identifying as a gun owner and that's something that really stuck, stuck with me and i don't like the ide uh idolization or the the um fed almost a fetishization of guns and of deadly weapons mm-hmm. you know if it's a beautifully made like thing that's one thing if it's like a katana that's like a piece of art even a gun could be a piece of art in some way but what aspect of it um, i would be taking into consideration of what you're paying attention to but if you're fetishizing the idea of killing something from a place of enjoyment that is rampant in our mm-hmm. world not right. just in gun culture and in the actual like um like physical culture but that's like a big it's a huge thing in video games yeah that's almost the sole goal of nearly every video game any popular video game is kill 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 destroy right you know i mean there's minecraft you get to build but only (laughs) whenever you're stuck inside of a 3d block world you know but once they get into high school they move away from minecraft and into the more graphic and more deadlier games yeah Yeah, absolutely sad so i think uh, a big thing that i would um urge anybody who has any inkling of an understanding of this kind of thing uh i would push for them and urge for them to be compassionate 
towards the people that are suffering from video game addiction, pornography addiction, love addiction, uh, addiction in any form, really, you know, mm-hmm. don't, there's a difference between being compassionate about it and being um, in enabling. So that's something that I would want. Uh, I'm, I intend to writing my own material, my own literature one day uh, about my journey away from pornography, away from video games. I haven't watched TV in over four months. I haven't, you know, eaten out in, you know, a long time. Mm -hmm. And I haven't played video games in almost a year now. You know, and that's something that I, I pride myself in because I come from a place of addiction you know, not just me, but my family, you know, has a history of addiction and breaking free from those, um, what I would consider them to be systems of reliance. Uh, it's been incredibly fulfilling and it's freed me up to do things with my life that I feel has made an impact in others' lives and, you know, set me on a path it makes me you know every day i wake up even if it's hard getting out of bed because of what i ate or you know eating too much sugar or whatever even if i'm crawling out of bed i'm still happy every day i'm still happy i still feel like wow i've done things with my life already what can i do today and if i was playing video games still if i was watching tv watching porn all the time I wouldn't feel that way. We probably wouldn't have met. Precisely. Yeah. I mean, around the time that I discovered Flat Earth and got into it, I stopped gaming because I was I was addicted to uh, Final Fantasy. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Damn, dude, that's a big one. That's a big one to get into. Yeah. And I played that for four years straight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We we had our own little community, and we all knew each other, and fought together in a game, and. You know, and, and little by little, I mean, it was starting to dwindle and people were dropping out of the game because it was so expensive. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it, it was just a money pit. And I'm like, what am I doing? You know, <laughs> I could barely afford it. And, you know, spending money on something that it just wasn't tangible and real. But, you know, it was the the community that I was like holding on to. And then uh, I started meeting people with, with similar minds about about the, the shape of the earth and the deception that that comes with it, you know, and just realizing that this whole world is just a construct of, of lies and deception and mind control. And, and we all need to like wake up and, you know, come together as a community and, and, you know, just survive, you know, that this whole pandemic and stuff. And so I'm thankful I, I've met people like you and, you know, it's, it's great. You know, to actually meet people who I just know online, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't happen that often that you build a community in, in using the internet and actually come together and like, you know, meet and hang out and, and just have a meal and, and do some experiments. So it's really cool. It's, it's, uh, it's a good, I hope it continues to grow and, and we actually can build a community where we can rely on each other. Cause that that's the the goal really is to be self-reliant and you know having you know me contributing to like like i'm learning how to garden and like we're constantly growing stuff now and it's it's a lot of fun 
and uh, to be able to put that into, into good use and, you know, know people that can help each other. Absolutely. Yep. Now that's something, I guess, uh, before we go, I'll plug in um, Vibe and, okay. you know, all the other uh, stuff that we're uh, um, getting involved in. If you have anybody uh, who are listeners in the DFW area, um, this would apply directly to them. Um, we created Vibe. Uh, a woman, her name is Storm. She started off by creating the DFW Freedom Cell Network um, based off of John Bush and uh, Derek Bros's Freedom Cell idea. Uh, if you've ever heard of that, it's a decentralized form of organizing community based around common interests and, you know, freedom, gardening, you know, self-sufficiency, all those kinds of things. Um, so for the first year about, we were the DFW Freedom Cell Network. Um, I got involved in October of 2020. Uh, and mm -hmm. I went out to Midfest up in Oklahoma and had my first voluntarist anarchist uh, um, camps camp out, which was super awesome in the midst of, uh, you know, COVID, all the COVID stuff going on. It was nice to see people smiling and hugging and, you know, sharing. Uh, it was a beautiful time. And that really inspired me to continue and to put all of my investment, all of my time into seeing what we could do in DFW. Um, That's cool. Yeah. So we changed it eventually from the DFW Freedom Cell Network. We re-envisioned it and um, reworked the name, reworked the intention. And so VIBE, V-I-B-E, actually stands for Voluntarists' Intent on Building and Exiting. Mm. Um so the big thing that we see are a bunch of systems of reliance, you know, the school system, the grocery stores, insurance, all of these different things that serve as systems that keep us down, keep us reliant, keep us strapped to the system. The only way out, you know, a lot of people aren't ready to just exit. They aren't right. ready to just uproot and leave because they aren't, they don't have the means to. So we, what we first have to focus on is building and that's why instead of exit and build, we build and exit because we know that there, that there are a lot of people who might not even want to exit fully. Exiting the system might look different from, for different people, right. but one way or another, we can still help each other in building these systems of trade, of commerce, of food supply, of say, in you know, long term insurance pools of being able to pull into a share care system or have carpooling transportation systems child care homeschooling all of these things are you know in that pipeline and the people that are involved in these groups they come from all different backgrounds they have all different ideas some think the earth is round some think the earth is flat some are christian some are muslim some have you know still vote some don't um, ultimately, voluntarism is the idea that all human interaction, transaction, and relationships should be based on voluntary means and should be free of coercion, free of threat, free of any type of aggression. And you know, that's what we want to base our community on are those non-aggression principles of cooperation and consideration of others and putting the individual first mm -hmm. uh 
because it's not it's not a community first thing community is there but the thing that we have to put first is ourselves and our families self-preservation you know if first off you have to focus on the health of the individual before you can accomplish the health of a community right if a the individual is not healthy then the community won't be healthy second off you know you can't have a relationship with a group of people right you can Mm -hmm. only have a relationship with the individuals that make up that group and that's one of the things that we're focused on as well getting people off the internet getting people offline getting people face to face where they're meeting individuals who may or may not think like themselves they they do which Mm -hmm. is another big reason of vibe Find your vibe, whatever your vibe may be. Some people's vibe is gardening. Some people's vibe is flat earth. Some people's vibe is, you know, just hanging out and having a meal, mm-hmm. you know, and learning about stuff. You know, find what it is that you're interested in. The people who are involved in this community, they understand that freedom through individual expression, freedom by means of I wouldn't say disregarding the government for everybody. For me, that's that's where I would go. I disregard any idea of authority. And many of the other individuals in these groups do as well. They don't see authority the same way. And therefore, it puts people on a level playing field that is very rare to find anywhere else. Um, so if you're looking for true diversity, and if you're looking for... Um, like a real interaction uh if you live in the dfw area for sure vibe is where it's at um as far as other places the freedom cell network is uh you can find it pretty much anywhere in the world and if you can't you can make one you can make a freedom cell and that is your method of getting yourself out into a freedom-minded liberty-minded sphere uh a realm that you can meet other people who you can build something with. And I hope that as time goes on, that I'll have a lot more time to dedicate to, you know, to invest uh, to the building of vibe and whatever else we want to do with the other uh, peripheral communities, because there are plenty, you know, we have a large garden community. We have uh, a lot of people interested in ham radio. Um, Yeah. We'll see what we can build. We'll see what we can do. Uh, I'm going to keep doing this until the day I die whether it's here or anywhere else, uh, but building community and ensuring that people have somewhere that they can call home. Uh, that's, that's what's important to me. That's awesome. Well, that sounds like a good place to, to wrap it up. And uh, if, if anybody wants to contact you or reach out or join any of these communities, where, where can people go? Sure. Um, Telegram is the main, uh, the main place to go. So my handle is uh, at hello, H-E-L-L-O underscore clairvoyance, C-L-A-I-R-V-O-Y-A-N-C-E. So hello underscore clairvoyance. If you want to message me on Telegram, feel free to. Uh, I got a pretty big inbox. I'm not going to lie. I, you know, trying to interact with all of, the people, all of the people in these groups individually. If it's not in real life, it can become a, a jumbled mess. So thank you yeah. for being patient. Uh, it's a lot easier for me just to redirect people to the groups. So if that's what you're looking for, uh, if you're looking to join DFW True Earthers, 
Um, you got a wonderful group of people there if you want to join Vibe. Um, there's also other peripheral groups that may not be um, involved with those two groups that are also around DFW. So if something, if you're looking for something else, if, feel free to message me. I might be able to um, to redirect you to something that would be of uh, of service or of interest to you. That's cool. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad that you have that platform to bring people together, and you kind of like have these like subgroups for in anybody's individual need that, you know, you have a place for them. So it's pretty cool. I'm glad we met and you reached out to me on the uh, flat earth, sun, moon, and Zodiac app. I mean, that, that brought us together for sure. Absolutely. So, yeah. Clover, <laughs> Clover made the group Clover. Uh, she, she was the one who founded DFW true earthers. Oh, okay. And then I was in charge of the recruiting. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's pretty a pretty fun time. All right, well, Travis. Well, it was great having you on the show, and uh, we're gonna have to do this again and at, at some point in the future. And uh, just want to wish you well, and uh, can't wait for the next meetup. And hopefully, I'll see you on November thirteenth when uh, Glitter performs at uh, Vector Brewing. That should be a fun show. Where she's gonna show all three of her music videos, including the new one that's coming out in at the end of this month. So we'll be out there. It'll be, it'll be great. Nice. It's a free show too. (laughs) Oh, sweet. That'll be nice. Okay, cool. That's very helpful. Poor college kids, man. Right. Oh man. Thank you so much, Mikey, for having (laughs) me on. It's been a great conversation. All right, man. Well, peace. I'll I'll talk to you soon. Very soon. Thank you so much for watching this edition of KGP presents. Thank you to Travis for coming on the show. What a great conversation that was Uh, to learn more about Travis in his vibe communities, go to his telegram groups Click the links in the description below. Now, keep in mind, these groups are primarily for people in the Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas area. But these groups are open to the uh, open communities, so they're meant for learning. So you're more than welcome to join as well. Just just keep in mind, it's for, it's for locals only. But, you know, you can take that knowledge and, and apply it to your own groups and try to create your own communities. So... I do find that there's value in, in belonging to these kind of groups. Uh, just, you know, just keep in mind that it is for the locals here in Texas. Now, next week, um, I have an, another great show coming up, uh, coming your way, and that is with Moral Bob of Hidden in Plain Sight. Uh, so be on the lookout for that show. He's a very cool guy. I've been enjoying listening to his shows. And him arguing about flat earth and space is faking gay. And uh, so this conversation should be fun if you're not easily triggered. But for you round earthers and hollow earth believers, uh, this may not be the episode for you. But who knows uh, where this conversation will go, but we'll find out. He and I seem to share a lot of similarities and have the same tastes and have similar life uh, experiences. So uh, the topic could just go anywhere or all over the place. We'll, we'll, We'll find out. Uh, Thank you so much for watching and listening to this episode. Please comment and leave a five-star rating if you enjoy this episode. And like and subscribe. And if you like what I do, please support my work by becoming a Patreon subscriber. It's only $3 a month, and you'll own a very special place in my heart. Once again, this is Mikey J, and I'm out.
Ja, ich nur. 